I would not give out. And if people want to complain and bitch about the fact that they're not getting 50% of the token supply, I'm like, well, fuck off. Like, what have you done? Oh, you own a pudgy penguin? Oh, cool. Okay. Why is it that you need to get 30,000 bucks? Forget about the value. It's like, why? And people, I think, are entitled in this space. Just, it just bothers me the wrong way. I, my theory is a lot of this airdrops has been as a, a result of dancing around lack of regulation and saying, okay, we need to like decentralize as quickly as possible, yada, yada, yada. If you are an Empire listener, hopefully you've played around on chain. And if you have done that, you know that transferring assets across different chains is a pain, to put it nicely. That is why we are incredibly excited to have the Wormhole Foundation as a partner of the Empire podcast, stewards of the Wormhole protocol, supporting over 30 different blockchains and six different runtimes. Stay tuned later in the show. We have a cool thing that you can claim, which is a Wormhole NFT just for Empire listeners. This episode is brought to you by PayPal. Here at Empire, you know that Santi and I are really into real-world use cases and always on the lookout for the next killer blockchain app. We're excited to share that PayPal has arrived in crypto to unveil a way to seamlessly connect fiat to digital currencies. Later in the show, you will find out how you can use PYUSD to check out at millions of online stores. What's up, everyone? Before we jump into the episode, little plug for Digital Asset Summit coming up in London, March 18th to 20th. Tickets are pacing so far ahead of schedule that we had to decrease the discount code. So instead of Empire 20, it is now Empire 10. Head over to the website, Digital Asset Summit, Das London, March 18th to 20th. Use code Empire 10 and get 10% off your ticket. See you in London. And we're back. What up, man? Hey, it's good to be back. <laughs> is this our first of the year? Dude, we have we have been slacking. slacking. I don't know. I've been I've been busy, man. I just, you know. Busy? Uh, there you want to tell the people what you've been busy with? <laughs> I've been trying to ski, but the snow was like I skied in minus 35. Uh got frostbit on my both of my feet. I still really haven't recovered. So the nerves are something you don't want to fuck around with, right? And I've gotten in my hands when I was climbing Kilimanjaro years ago. It was really cold. Um, and then this time, ski minus 35, deep powder. Like, uh, yeah, my feet got extremely cold for eight hours. I was out skiing and back country, and I had to go to the hospital just to make rule out proper frostbite. So my feet were not black, but I lost all sensibility. Like, And so now I still haven't recovered at all. So the nerves like take... They're irritated, so they take. Uh, it's gonna take some time, but uh, for a while there, I thought I was gonna not be able to like run. That is it was the like, most first world problem I have ever heard. <laughs> <laughs> God damn it! That's, See, this uh, is why I don't I'm share here, anything sorry, about I'm my private here. life. This is why I don't share anything about my private life other than running. And I guess that's also I don't know a first world problem. I don't know. <laughs> no, but good good trip though. It was a good trip. It's great trip. Got to nice. see my dad. Got to see some folks that I love to ski with. It's I love nice. skiing. Nice. Skiing cool. is like my favorite second sport. Outside of running? Outside of running and cycling. Well, third after running and cycling. You like those solo sports, huh? Not a, not a big team guy. Yeah, this is when like people not tell me to raise money. Like, I'm like perfectly fine having a fun by myself because I don't, uh, yeah. Although someone told me recently I'd make a great father. I spend a lot of time with uh, my, my sister has two kids and I love, I spent like last two months with them and God, I love kids, but 
uh, someone told me that I would make a good good dad for what oh, it's wow. worth. Is this uh, you putting your hand up on Empire and saying, hey, ladies, <laughs> ladies? <laughs> yeah, I don't, where I live, I don't think I'm going to find it, a lot of wife material, but hey, maybe in a BlockWorks conference. And this is the yeah, plug yeah. to go to yeah. DAS. <laughs> I, I, I know, yeah, I, I know where you'll find them, DAS, baby. And if you're not, yep. DAS, permissionless. That is wife material at permissionless. Yeah, dude. I don't know. I don't know if I'll find it in the crypto sphere, but either. But uh, sure, I'll, uh, I'll give it a try. <laughs> give it a try. Yeah. Who's gonna build Tinder? Decentralized Tinder. I haven't heard that pitch in a while. Actually, I have, but I passed on it. So what's uh? What are we talking? So there's there's two things on my mind. There's Farcaster, um, which I kind of feel like has already been beaten to death in the in the pods and on Twitter and stuff like that. But maybe could share my take around it, and would also love to hear like why you're not on it and. Um, maybe I can share how we're thinking about it at Blockworks as a company. And so I've heard a lot of like user takes, but I can share how we're thinking about it at Blockworks. And then the other mm-hmm. topic is uh, these airdrops. The yeah. Dimension airdrop happened. Um, there's a pretty interesting like, airdrop strategy that is forming this cycle um, that yeah, I'd love to talk about. So why don't we start with Farcaster? What is what is your experience with with Farcaster? Or I, I can I can maybe tee I up. tried it. But I'll say one thing before we talk about Farcaster. Can we just talk about friend tech because I resisted going there and I know it, I'm, I'm not trying to make the comparison between the two totally different. Uh, but yeah, like friend tech, I want to talk about that because I didn't join guess newsflash tokenizing and trading and monetizing your friends turned out to be a terrible idea. Wow. Who would have thought? Let's talk about this. Then. All right. I'll give it to you. I'll give it to you. You were, you were right. You were right. There's, um, we shouldn't financialize everything. No, you're right about that. Yeah, it was, I mean, good call not joining Friend Tech. Um, what is your thought process when it comes to joining? How do you decide if you want to join and like test and dabble with new things in crypto? So look, I'm an investor in Lens. It was just a relationship check. I love Stani. You know, he's a cool friend. And do I believe in decentralized social media? Yeah, I hope because like, so most recently contacted an agency because I wanted to build, I have a website that I haven't like launched publicly, but I was thinking the other day, I'm like, well, what happens if like, first of all, the search functionality of X absolutely sucks. I just want to have more agency over my content. So I believe decentralized social media is really good. It will serve a purpose. Like look at, um, what is it? The journalist Tucker Carl Carlson. Carlson. He's going to Russia interviewing Putin. It's shocking. We don't have to talk about how media is just terrible, but I think there is a time to like, Except there's going to be an increasing need. Yeah. I know. I, I believe it. Like you want to have control and agency over your content and where it lives. Yeah. Right. And storing it. And so look, Farcaster, I spoke with Dan years ago. Um, I think he's an incredible smart guy and early, he was early Coinbase employee and, I'm I'm very happy to see the success of Farcaster. I've just been too lazy. I've been traveling, and and so I haven't gone to it. I I will get to it. The thing about lens, for instance, lens, and I've talked to Stani about this a lot, so I'll say it here as well. Is that friction, right? Of give me something where I can post on Twitter, and then it automatically pushes it out to Farcaster. Now I've heard some really interesting takes from Xiao and a few other folks that say it has felt, and I'd love to get your take that. Up to most recently, like there was like an inflection point where the engagement there is higher, the conversation's better. And so like some people have like stopped thinking about like 
Twitter first, then Farcaster. It's now like, no, I'm just going to go to Farcaster. So I'd be really curious to hear your experience because I can't talk about it from firsthand experience other than just anecdotally what I've seen from other people like in their experience with. So what has it been for you? I've, I've loved it. I've loved it. So my experience with Farcaster was I joined April 2022 and I lost my seed phrase and there was no way to recover it. And so I had to restart my account this past weekend. So that's my, uh, that's Wait, my, when you say restart, like create a new one, I, mean, I literally created a new one. And like, was, I was, was it like at Jason? I got, yeah, I got, no, I got at Yano and, um, I got it at Yano and I was like early these FIDs, which is like your Farcaster ID. I was like number, I don't know, a couple hundred, like it was called 300 or 500 or 400, some, some, something like that, I think. And uh, I got Yano, but I was so, I didn't do literally anything with it for 18 months. Shame on me. So I had to start over, but it's my fault. Um, so I got it. So I re, okay. So I had a to-do list. So basically here was what happened about a week and a half ago, Farcaster was blowing up all my, a lot of like my crypto friends were like, all right, buddy, you got to get on Farcaster. Like now it's time. So I was like, all right, I'll do it. Had a thing on my to-do list for Saturday morning or Sunday morning to just get on Farcaster. Um, I usually spend like one day of the weekend just like doing some experiment stuff with crypto. Had the episode with uh, Jesse Walden and Antonio where they talked about, did you end up listening to that? Probably not. You were skiing. We had this episode with um, no, Jesse I listened and, to it. With an, and, and uh, Antonio from Spindle, Jesse from Varian, where we talked about headless marketplaces, Farcaster and Frames. And that was probably... I have these empire episodes where every one, one, once every quarter, let's call it, or once every three to six months where like mind is blown big, like makes me take action on something outside of just like, oh, go buy token or something like that. And uh, th- this was that episode. So I got off. This was completely, obs- went over to Mike in the office, said Blockworks has to make a push onto Farcaster in a big way, spent about six to eight hours on Sunday getting deep into Farcaster, set up the Blockworks channels, Blockworks research channels, or accounts. I set up channels as well, which I, I can explain. If Surprising you no one was like squatting on an app Blockworks on Farcaster. So actually right? someone was squatting on Blockworks. We're probably going to have to pay like, I don't know, 10K to buy the ENS because on Farcaster you can create an account. Um, and then you can also, but if you own the ENS, you can actually take that account with that. Oh. So like ENS has the priority, I think is how it works, um, which is pretty cool. Um, and yeah, I set up my thing and it's, I'm, I'm pretty hooked. Like I now open Warpcast. So the way it works. So Farcaster is the, the protocol best, uh, Farcast is the, Farcaster is the protocol. Warpcast is one of the many clients that plug in that sits on top of, of Farcaster. My understanding is Warpcast, I think is a pretty centralized entity. Uh, Farcaster is built on top of, I can't fully figure it out if it's optimism or base or some part of it is optimism. Some part of it is base. Obviously base leverages the OP stack. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's been great. Um, nice. I've, I've really enjoyed it. What do you like about it? Like uh, who's there? How many followers it, do you have? Like the engagement? I'm about to hit 400 followers. I am racing Mike to 10,000. Uh, Mike is at, I saw uh, that. Yeah. Hopefully you follow through if you win on the bet because uh, you didn't, I'm, I'm going to say it again, but we had a bet of who had the most amount of followers. I'm going to pull this episode up because I don't and, think I promised to shave my head. I mean, I, I have many flaws, you gotta run but, the tape. Mem- but you memory gotta- is not one of them, dude. I have a pretty good memory. Uh, so, yeah, you, right. I, I beat you to it. 
break point. I'm still ahead now by a wider margin. <laughs> and you didn't even shave your head. So whatever. I'm just going to say, Mike, if you're listening, I hope you are. Just make sure that you have a bet that, you know, I don't know. Follow through. <laughs> oh, all right. Shots fired. So, yeah, but like the important stuff, like wh- what do you like about it? Like, uh, what is okay, it? Okay. So, it's a special sauce. Um, all right. The first thing I like is it's basically the highest signal to noise out there. And that's like an overused statement, like signal to noise, I think, overused statement. But the people on there are the people that I care about um, and that I want to interact with. So, when I open my Twitter notifications, it's accessible. Like there's no notification I get on Twitter anymore where it's like, or maybe there's one out of every 50 notifications where it's like, I want to interact with that. And it's, it's, it's a lot of folks where like, I don't know, it's just not, it's not, it doesn't lead to interesting discussions basically. So like the way I think about Twitter right now is it's like big distribution channel to like get things out there. Um, Farcaster for me is like, Everyone on Farcaster is very crypto native and very like high signal. And it's when I think of Farcaster, it's more like conversations. I'm like, I can actually have conversations on Farcaster. Whereas Twitter is like, yeah, there's a lot of like either super retail driven or very like maximalist and ideologies. Farcaster doesn't have any of that. I would say like the underlying ideology of Farcaster is curiosity. Um, it's very like kind and nice platform with a lot of curiosity and a lot of interesting conversations uh, happening. All right. So that's my first bucket. Second bucket that I like is um, there is, there are these things called channels. Do you know how these work? Have you heard of these? Uh, Nope. Okay. So you create an account, like you're like, you would create a Twitter account. You can create an account like at Santiago. That's your Uh account. Then you have channels. Channels are, I can't actually the best way I'd describe a channel is a mix Telegram between a, it's a it's kind of a mix between a Discord channel uh, that you can hang out in or a Telegram group that you could hang out in uh, combined with like a Reddit channel. So mm-hmm. there's a channel like it's like R you know on Reddit it's like R NBA or something. So we have we actually have R empire or we have a an Empire channel. So anyone listening to the Empire to Empire there people are going on there and they're like hey great episode on headless marketplaces like follow-up question to that episode. Um, I wanted to like get your guys' take on this and I'll respond to it. And we have like a great conversation there. Hey, thought like Ilya podcast on AI and Nier was pretty interesting. Like as a follow-up, I'd love to hear from like this person or I'd love to see. And so like there's, so that's a channel. There's a channel for NBA. There's a channel for like people in New York City and there's all these great channels that people are hanging out in. And so you can post to the channel. So that's the second bucket. The third bucket is... um, the experimentation that's happening there. Have you seen, do you know what frames are, Santi? Nope. Cool. Making me look like a noob here, but I love, I love it. It's the first time in my life I can do that, so I'm uh, no. taking, taking oh, advantage God. of it. So uh, fra- frames are basically uh, the ability to embed actions and applications inside inside of your feed. So the best way to think about this, I think, is, so imagine you make a tweet right now, the only thing you can kind of embed in that tweet is like a poll. You can either add a picture into that tweet or you could add a poll. But what yeah. if you could actually add kind of anything? What if you could add the ability to book a conference ticket directly inside of a tweet or subscribe to a newsletter inside of a tweet or mint an NFT directly inside of a tweet? Um, no boy. There's all of these interesting things that are happening. in in. So that's what frames are. They basically make posts programmable. And then you can do... Because they're pro- programmable, you can make them. Uh, you can actually bake in these 
parameters. So I so Royal so uh, Royal is like an NFT music platform. Yeah, this is Blau's thing. Blau's thing. So Blau was like, "Go go mint this thing," and I was like, "I'm trying to mint it. It's not working." And he goes, "Oh, we programmed it so you have to follow Royal first to be able to mint. So you Smart. follow Royal, then you can mint. And there's all these different programs. So you could say." So, but if you extend this out, it's like, okay, well, maybe I only want my mint to happen for people who have a pudgy in their wallet and have traded over 100K of volume on Uniswap and bought a permissionless ticket last year. Boom, VIP client. They, those are the people who can mint something or another, right? So yeah. that was like the, the the best take that I've heard that Farcaster might become like a, a, a very, the primary distribution channel for. Uh, initially crypto projects, yeah. but also after, you know, extend that further and not just crypto projects, this programmability. And so it's frames. That was like the light bulb moment for me on why this went from an application that I think I should play around with to an application that Blockworks should completely. Yeah. From a distribution standpoint, Hey, we're going to give out this merch if you, uh, but how can you prove like, Hey, you've listened to, so it's not uh, merch X amount of hours, not, 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 not merch, but like you're going to get X or Y based on how can you stitch that is someone working on like if you've listened to x amount of podcast hours yeah so take out the programmability for a second if you just think about all right so blockworks here's how we might sell a ticket we build up our permissionless channel on twitter or let's say it doesn't matter about the permissionless handle let's say i put if we want to sell a permissionless ticket on social i'm going to post a link to our permissionless channel or to our permissionless event page on my twitter the first thing that happens is Twitter throttles that link. Or they throttle the post because they are creating, they're basically a walled garden and they don't want people, they don't want users to leave their platform. So any external link is going to get throttled. That's why if you post a, any sort of external link, your post is going to do much, much, much worse because they make money from ad revenue. The less time you spend on the platform, the less ad revenue they get. So first off, post gets throttled. But for anyone who does see the post, you as Santi, you click that event page. You then go to the Blockworks website you click, you scroll down till you hit buy ticket. You click buy ticket. It opens up an embed from our event platform called Universe. You put in your credit card details. They have an they have a link with Stripe. You buy the ticket. It's like eight or nine steps basically to buy buy a ticket. Now what you yeah. can do? Didn't they get the Boy Scouts uh, campaign going on uh, frames, and it was like a huge success. Girl, Girl Scouts, yeah, exactly. So Girl now Scouts, what you bad. can do is what we can do at Blockworks is we can post a link to the event page, and then. Inside of that tweet, hey, just announced Santiago's a speaker. Buy your ticket today for ten percent off. Inside of that tweet, you can um, what what you eating over there? No, it's like a lemon seed. <laughs> I like putting lemon in my sparkling water. It was just like uh, inside of that tweet, you can literally sure you're watching because because Farcaster every Farcaster account has a wallet. You can literally just click buy ticket, boom. Mm. Like that, you just bought a permissionless ticket. Subscribe to a newsletter. Same thing, right? Maybe the folks said, "Yeah, Eth Denver, if they're listening, should adopt this strategy because I heard it took eight steps to buy an Eth Denver." God, every time there's an ETH event, you're just constantly reminded of how little intuition they have in terms of making stuff easy for folks. I'm like, you're purposely, yeah. I remember DevCon in Osaka, like there was a, two elevators for the entire conference. I'm like, God, DevCon this is like isn't... purposefully bad though. It's like, uh, makes yeah, it, it's, it's like you're, you're purposely building like barbed wire and fences for people to like push away like normies. I'm like, okay. So. Yeah. Anyways. Yeah. We're very, cool. I'm, I'm, I'm very excited about this. So this yeah, like yeah, frames yeah. were the thing that got me. We had our 
leadership meeting this week um, at BlockWorks, and I said, look, we're you guys got to understand frames. We're, we're making a big push into Farcaster and frames, and we have our monthly uh, kickoff uh, for with the whole company next week. And uh, a little sneak peek for any BlockWorks folks listening to this, we're talking about Farcaster. Like, this is yeah. a big part of BlockWorks strategy today. It impacts everyone. It impacts marketing. It impacts editorial. Mm-hmm. It impacts the events team. It impacts podcasts, right? So we're, we're excited about it. Yeah, I got to join. I'll join. I'll put it, I'll add it to the top of the list. What's the, um, how big does this get? Does it actually displace uh, X? Um, what do you see as the monetization strategy for Farcaster? Uh, like, what's your take? So, I don't know is the real answer. Basically, what I think Farcaster ends up becoming is, I don't think of Farcaster as a social media platform. I think of Farcaster as a, proof of identity, basically, um, which as AI is becoming this incredible, like these, you know, f- fake. Wait, but why, why couldn't a bot just create a Farcaster account and just roll with it? Why couldn't a bot create a Yeah, yeah, like a, a bot creates a Farcaster account, multiple Farcaster accounts, and, you know, you, you have the civil resistance problem you're alluding to is, uh, how does that, how is that solved? I think there's two ways. One is, um, I think there will end up being something for folks who connect their ENS. And I don't know if a bot can do that or if that's like too complex. The second thing is, but they, as far they, as I know, anyone can create an e- buy an ENS. So you know, hundreds, the second thing is ENS. you actually pay, you actually pay for Farcaster. So you are how much, paying. How much is it? You forgot five, to disclose it. Maybe that should have been like the first point. <laughs> five bucks a year or seven bucks a year for storage, essentially. Mm. Yeah. Who's providing the storage currently? Um, sounds like them. I don't know. I don't actually know. I think how it works is Warpcast is built by the Farcaster team. It's a centralized client, and a lot of that data is stored off chain. Um, and you're paying them for that for storage space. I think that's how it works. Yeah, it would be really cool. Um, have you seen instances where, um, there's just a lot of stuff that X could do that they haven't, like a lot of. If you're paying for premium, you're you're can tweet more than 140 characters, and so a lot of that ends up becoming a blog post. I've wanted to see, and shout out to Murd, who was actually the one who had this idea, and I saw it, and I thought it was genius. It's like give me a, a tab in my profile where I can make long form tweets into a blog content, as opposed to people going to Substack. Why not just embed it on Twitter? Um, and like, um, I, like I would love to do that. Like have the ability yeah. to, and I now I think they've rolled out a similar like a some features. But uh, anyways, all this to say, like, um, you know, what's that mirror, for instance? Like, if you post a really good, uh, whatever they call it, post on yeah, Podcaster, yeah. can people have the ability to, like, mirror, collect that as an NFT? If they really Yeah, like I don't it? know if Mirror has so. done this, but someone else did this, where you can actually, inside of a frame, you can read the article inside of the frame, and then you can collect it as well inside of the frame. Oh, okay. So, That'd be really here's cool. Why, here's why I, like, here's why I think... This is very different than friend tech and very different, like why I'm so excited about this. This in my mind has the ability to be the first ever breakout use case of crypto that's non-speculative. So anything that's gone kind of mainstream in crypto, like NFTs at the end of the day, like why were normies buying board apes? Not for the art. They're buying no, it because no, they're speculating. They're you know, speculating. And I think this is things. the first, could be the first thing that, uh, yeah, it could be the first thing. So yeah. Yeah, I think the activation, the 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 cold start problem for social media is very real. 
um, and you have to insert yourself in the flow um, of how do you capture that attention and the it's been an uphill battle at least for me to I'm just so ingrained embedded in 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 X and constantly use it but um, yeah I'll have to check it out and then report yeah. back on on the experience it's the most excited I've ever seen people in crypto be about something that doesn't have where actually you're paying them they're not even paying you right There's good yeah no I mean, that, that's always a good hallmark um i mean to be fair a lot of people were really excited about frentech and then and by no means am i comparing yeah, but friend frentech had a mo- people were excited about frentech because people thought they were making money correct yeah, yeah, yeah right yep i agree so, um interesting okay well thank yeah, you uh, similar to you were on a podcast where you were prompted to going i will credit you for going on podcaster then so i'll, so I'll I, do that i posted now now i can share the secret hold on let me pull up my post to make sure i get this right i i uh so it's called a cast i think you a cast, I cast it this morning <laughs> you cast said empire show. roundup today goal is to convince santi to join farcaster so for everyone <laughs> i will follow through because i'm a man of my word i think i know and so Dude, do you know uh, how bad i would look as a as a as a bald man I mean, you look bad already, dude. We all look bad. I mean, like, we're in crypto, man. We're aging to 2x the speed. <laughs> so, like, I've given Mike, up on Mike that looked game, at me. Dude. Mike was sitting, we were sitting in a meeting man, the other day, and Mike looked at me. He goes, dude, you have so many gray hairs. <laughs> man, you've already, like, you're married. You're, you're golden, man. Us mortals over here need to struggle. Uh, so, think of Brian Johnson, like longevity kind of things. To, like, <laughs> he's running marathons here and there to like stay, stay in the game. Hey, everyone, wanted to give a big shout out to today's sponsor, Wormhole Foundation, stewards of the Wormhole Protocol. If you are like Santi and I and you play around on chain, you know how bad the cross-chain experience is today. Well, Wormhole has set out to solve that, powering cross-chain transfers for over 200 different multi-chain teams, including some of the best like Uniswap and Circle. So what does that mean for you, the Empire listener? This opens up a huge number of multi-chain use cases across DeFi, NFTs, governance, oracles, and more. By supporting over 30 different blockchains and six different runtimes, including SUI, Solana, different ETH L2s, Ethereum, and a whole bunch more. That means you have now the most powerful interoperability platform at your fingertips. If you're a developer, you'll be excited to hear that Wormhole provides an extensive suite of tools and infrastructure so that you can securely build multi-chain applications. But don't just take our word for it, obviously. Wormhole Protocol leads the industry in all-time messages transferred with over 900 million cross-chain messages. 900 million, that is close to a billion, and that's a big number of messages. As a thank you, Wormhole Foundation is dropping exclusive NFTs. That's right. We got some exclusive NFTs for Empire listeners. Hit the link in the description to claim your unique Wormhole NFT today. The days of not using crypto for really anything in the real world are over. It is time to start using crypto in everyday transactions, whether that's shopping online or just buying a bagel on the street. We're excited to tell you about PYUSD, PayPal's entrance into Web3. PayPal is proud to share an open letter to the crypto community that outlines their commitment, their roadmap, and their goals in the digital currency space. PYUSD seeks to transform how you interact 
with your digital assets. Available today, you can send your crypto to your PayPal account, swap it for PYUSD, and then use it to check out at millions of stores. PayPal invites you, all the Empire listeners, to be a part of this journey. Hit the link in the description of today's episode to read PayPal's open letter to the community. It gives you a really good sense of what their vision is. Take the next step by signing up for a PayPal account today. The future of crypto payments starts with PayPal. Uh, let's talk airdrops. So, yeah, a lot of those. Let's start with a dimension airdrop, maybe. So this week there was a dimension airdrop, um, and it was a bit of what a is show. dimension? What was that? What is dimension for everyone listening out there? Uh, they're trying to basically replace ETH, I think, as the consensus layer for app rollups. Is my understanding mm. of dimension? Is that I don't know. what I do there? Yeah, Accurate-ish. You no one really it? knows, but it's provocative. But it's provocative. <laughs> yeah, I don't really it's, know. It's, it's, it's a, uh, that was my layman understanding of dimension as well. Yeah. I think the idea is like, if you look at today's optimistic rollups, they depend on ETH for consensus, right? Like to validate the fraud proofs. And they can use external oh god i hope i'm probably gonna botch this they can use external da like celestia to reduce the roll-up transaction costs but dimension offers uh the same solution via rollups, but replaces eth as the consensus layer here so and i think they use i think dimension if you are roll up on dimension you use the cosmos sdk to oh boy yeah to implement but then you del you're delegating consensus and security to the dimension hub and to like uh to the to the dim dym stakers that's my yeah yeah fifth grade understanding of this yeah think, dimension hub is meant to be the the, 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 the analogy would be like the, the like dimension hub is yeah yeah the dimension hub is meant to be the l1 uh and then you have this all these different apps role apps uh not roll-ups, roll-apps, but are the layer twos. And so it's meant to be that kind of security hub and you're attracting a lot of these validators. And like, and uh, you've got you the know. dimension hub, right? Is the is now you have this like liquidity layer that can yeah, flow yeah, across yeah. all the roll-apps. And now you don't have to go recruit a bunch of validators. And Yeah, yeah. yeah. Look, uh, yeah. One of the more interesting teams I've talked to, and I would love to have them on the pod, and um, is there's been a lot of up, like a lot of really interesting stuff in Cosmos happening um, for, for real this time. Um, like particularly mesh security is one very interesting thing. So like, oh, like the core premise is like, so if you're a DYDX, you move over from Ethereum, you, you build your own app chain. Someone like DYDX already has a lot of traction. It's easy to recruit validators for that. But if you're a new project and you want to like deploy your own app chain, you have to pay, a, it's it's very expensive because you have to have these crazy inflation curves to attract validators. And like at the end of the day, you need to bootstrap security. The only way you do that is you need to attract, you need to attract validators. Validators have opportunity costs. So you need to incentivize them. And that has, has become, it has been very expensive. Now I think what you're doing with like mesh security opens up the possibility to, for example, take restaked ETH and use that as the security substrate through Eigenlayer. And like this project ethos, for instance, is, uh, I spoke with them like uh, in January, I'd like to have them on, have a really good conversation. Um, and I just think the ability to launch app chains is going to, and the cost to do that, to recruit and attract validators um, is going to be a major 
theme this year. And so mm. it's very exciting with obviously the restaking uh, of security and the allocation of that in a more efficient manner, basically the core thesis of Eigenlayer, um, is going to have second, first, second order effects into Cosmos mm-hmm. and app chains, actually. And so, yeah, really exciting. I mean, now you have Bitcoin L2. So how do you, so, how do you bet on that, though? Like, how do you, you're not buying Adam. The team and, no, I reach out to the team and try to invest before anyone else does. <laughs> so you, I did you, there's no, like, if you want to bet, I think Cosmos is quite interesting because there's no token that actually. Yeah, yeah. Look, uh, the, the the issue of having Cosmos is like uh, I believe in, in in the technology. I just have never felt that there is a strong enough link in Atom as a security substrate. I've always struggled with like, I felt very excited about Cosmos, not so much Atom. Right. Um, and so, yeah, I, I. How do you bet on Cosmos generally? IBC, well, you know, I, I've made, I've talked to a number of um, teams that are trying to do implementations of IBC. Like, you know, there's uh, the composable finance team, like Picasso. Uh, then there's uh, Polymer Labs, uh, Union, um, and then there's a, you know, I'm an investor in Barra Chain as well. Like, proof of liquidity is really novel. So, anyways, like, I, I made, I want to have Cosmos is an ecosystem where I felt underexposed. Um, and I, and I've, uh, kind of placed different bets on that. Um, um, but yeah, I've, I've never really owned much of Adam candidly. Um, but yeah, there you go. All right. So this dim airdrop happened complete. It happened. I missed it. Every time I travel, it is very, very expensive for me. <laughs> it's like. Yeah, you had to like you, you, you had well, to like put your address on the on this thing, and there was an X amount of time in order for you to do that. And I was like on a long flight. What's, what's your take on airdrops? Like, do you not what's your take? But do you participate in airdrops? Like, are you going? Are you trying to like? Are you trying to get all these airdrops? Basically, no, no. So you don't do it's any hard. of them? No, I mean, like, oh, I've probably given up a ton of value in air, claiming airdrops, but. A lot of times I, over time, prioritize security, um, but other times, like, I, I never want to go first. Yeah. Ever. Yeah. I'd just rather have other people test it and whatnot. But um, that's my personal strategy. I still claim uh, from time to time. I think it's uh, really interesting how the airdrop game has leveled up most recently. And this is something you and I were talking about. You know, it's if you're a... NFT holder, a particular Hallmark collections, Tensorians, Mad Lads, uh, uh, Pudgy Penguins. Like it has been, a, you you yeah, recouped your cost basis and then some, right? The Pudgies. So, uh, some which someone at Blockworks has a lot of Pudgies, and um, they their dimension airdrop just from the Pudgies was twenty five thousand dollars, and then Dim has doubled since then. I think they. Yeah. Ended up selling it, but uh, yeah, I mean that's well, a that's 50, actually that's a fifty thousand really, dollar airdrop just for holding a bunch of pudgies. Yeah, that's crazy. Uh, yeah, fifty percent of like the median salary in the U.S. Um, yeah. I think so. It's really interesting. The what I've always questioned is what is the efficiency of an airdrop? It's basically there's two camps. I think one is it's like a customer acquisition, right? Uh, most people just do airdrops as a way to distribute and like decentralize. The question is like, what is the retention rate of that? Um, 
And I've questioned most airdrop programs are extremely expensive. They probably go down as the most inefficient campaigns to acquire users because the retention piece has been questionable. What is really interesting, though, is um, latest slide check yesterday, someone posted, I'm verified, but still, that 80% of the tokens that were distributed or 80% of the NFT holders that got a Dimension airdrop actually staked all of their Dimension airdrop versus mm. selling, yeah. which was, you know, Pretty compelling, actually, when you think about... We're saying 80% of people who got the DIM airdrop didn't sell it? 80% of the people, but this is exclusively to the NF, the, the people that qualified for the airdrop that had these NFTs. So meaning... I, I, think, is, I, think, I will just say, I think that metric is skewed because skewed? the Dimension airdrop was the a completely botched airdrop. I mean, it's done incredibly well in terms of the performance, but like... And I don't know who's market making this thing, but they're doing a ridiculously good job. Um, but but the point still stands. So you if, couldn't like, sell it. You literally couldn't. No, I understand that. But but that if you couldn't sell, but okay, you stake. I guess that's your point, right? If you couldn't sell, you just stake it. So maybe that's. Oh, it was eighty percent staked it. Yeah, yeah, eighty percent didn't sell. Well, eighty percent decided to stake and not sell. So they they had gone through the hoops okay. of that's, getting it. That's an impressive stat. It. Yeah, that's interesting. Look early, right? The, sure. the drop off sure, of these sure. cohorts can be pretty dramatic. So let's revisit this in a couple of weeks and months. Um, yeah, the, the, the other thing uh, someone might say, well, listen, I, I understand your point around retention. You're overthinking it. The key thing here is you build mindshare. And that's super important. And this was something where like, I feel like a, a few early Solana projects tr try to get attention from the ETH community and uh, it was just a good mechanism to have people bridge over, port over. In the same case here with Dimension, right? Um, so we'll see. I think... Yeah. Uh, what do you think of this airdrop strategy in general of like, basically an airdrop used to be to reward users who have used my platform early. So Uniswap yeah. says, look, early users, people who are actually creating the volume in the early days and uh, creating these pools and stuff like and participating in the pools would get would get dollars. Now yeah. it's turned into basically, so it went from rewarding early users to a market. It, it is now a, it should be like on your, on your PL, like that is a marketing um, line item, I think. Uh, mm -hmm. And now it's basically saying, look, this is the easiest way to bootstrap users in crypto. Um, and so people are actually targeting these really, like, I think you brushed over this point, but like, it's really interesting. Like P these PFP communities, like Tensorians, Mad Lads, Pudgies, uh, bad kids has been in a lot of these because a lot of these are starting to be like Celestia related or Cosmos mm. related. So bad kids are getting them. Like it is, uh, they are making oh, yeah. a tremendous oh, yeah, amount yeah. of money. People I will caution though. Like I will caution. There, there is this strategy now of like, okay, buy Celestia because you're going to have access to like 10 different airdrops. Hold uh, Dimension yeah. because you're going to have access to like, look, it's a, just call, I will caution people yeah. on this strategy because at some point the music stops. And yeah, okay, you got to keep dancing while the music's on, but you know, just similar to NFT mania, there's a there's a lot of speculation around that, and so yeah. um, here I, here's, here's what's interesting though. What is who's winning right now? The folks who decided to go crypto native with their with their brand and their marketing, right? There are a lot of folks who said it's a bear market. We're gonna try to go get the get the normies, maybe, or get the top of funnel folks. Um, and there's definitely a lot of those people in, in media. 
And anyone who went the opposite way and went very crypto native, those are the those are the people who are winning. Like Dan and Farcaster, um, the folks who've decided like why are people partnering with bad kids, pudgies, and tensorians and not board apes, azukis, and like I I don't know some like an, another NFT. It's because they're the most like crypto native NFT collection. Crypto punks are pretty crypto native, but. Yeah, punks like standalone in my mind. I like, I don't know. I almost think like punks folks aren't as active though. In like, like punks people yeah. aren't really the people who are going to go claim a ten thousand dollar airdrop. Not be as like super active on chain. I get it. Yeah. What about permies? How's that been for you guys? Permies have been tough, honestly, because what the business model of these so. The business because the business model of NFTs is incredibly tough if you're not spending a lot of time, like if you're not spending a lot of time on them. Um, mm-hmm. What happened with Permies is we gave them access. Permies originally were basically just a lifetime pass to permissionless. Mm-hmm. Um, what folks came to expect though was a lifetime VIP pass to permissionless. VIP tickets for permissionless this year are going to be like. I don't know, a couple thousand dollars. So let's say there's 500 permies and each one is $3,000. That's $1.5 million a year that we're losing by having permies, basically. Um, and then because Again, a very expensive customer acquisition. Very expensive. And then because there's not 10,000 permies, there's only 555, when those things, they're not like, when they're selling on OpenSea or Blur or whatever it is, like there's not a boatload of volume because there's you know five fifty five instead of ten thousand, so we're not making any money from these things. Uh, and then one other thing we did is we gave Permies access to Blockworks Research in the yeah. early days, which was helpful. It gave us like early user testing and things like that. Uh, you could just connect your wallet and you'd get access to Blockworks Research. The downside is what ended up happening is a lot of folks who would be our customers ended up not subscribing to Blockworks Research. Because they would basically just say, oh, yeah, no, no, one of our analysts has a permi. We're good. We got it covered. So now I've got, you know, Parify saying that would be, they would be spending, you know, maybe they'd buy three seats and they'd spend, you know, five figures. That's like five figures of ARR. Now they're saying, not Parify specifically, but I'm giving you an example of a crypto fund. Yeah. Like now they're basically saying, look, we, you know, we have two analysts with a permi. Like we get this for free. So that's 10K of ARR that we just lost a year. So, I'm still very excited about Permies. I like Permies a lot. Like I would, I just love, I love the community and like, I think they're great people and I've come to meet and get to know and become friends with a lot of them through these events. But uh, I don't think we've nailed, I don't think we've solved like the business model of these things, you know? So. And you remember when uh, airlines uh, gave people like back in the early days, like in the eighties, I think there was like a pretty hack where like you could buy like unlimited lights or something and some people took advantage of that and like they've been traveling for the last 30 years and it's like the most expensive like rewards program these i think it happens uh it's a hallmark of like early and not like i would love to figure out how to make permies like i don't know i would uh i still like permies i have a lot of love for permies look i think you said earlier the programmability of an nft is very interesting i don't haven't seen much experiments around this, but I do think when I think about token design, 
there is so much that is left unexplored and there is a fine line between how market wants to understand that there's a very clear mechanism around a vest uh, around a token emission schedule of token economics make it too complicated backfires but i do feel like we can push the the line a little bit in in the boundary of like going a bit further and adding more complexity into these airdrops and gamifying them and I think the design space is very much unexplored. Um, and that's one of the more fascinating things about crypto is that you can run these social experiments in real time. Like, I don't know, the simple like, here's an airdrop because you have an NFT and like, we hope that you're going to add value to this. It's like, we're going to probably look back on that and say that was like incredibly crude, unsophisticated and expensive. Yeah. Like, I don't know, yeah. like, the curve did it this very well like the the v like the the lockup components and and locking your curve and that was ve baby mind. bring it back yeah vcrv like the, those things have been probably one of the more mm-hmm. well thought through uh token designs yeah out there and airdrops like if i were a founder i don't know like people have like Dan, I think, is a good founder. Uh, this is Dan from Farcaster. He, I think, has said, like, I don't think we'll ever have a token. Like, I'd rather, like, I like seeing that because then you really want to strip away. And, and charging for a product up front is, like, pretty novel in crypto where most teams just give out free shit, hoping it sticks. And I don't know, you you never really know your core customer, what they appreciate, how much of it's mercenary, opportunistic versus people that really love your product. And I think, unfortunately, like you, you blow your like 50% of your token supply, hoping that you retain some percentage and you get mind share and I get it, but like, that's playing a short game. What's going to happen is all these 80% plus of these protocols that are already have codified their token omics already have airdropped everything to the community air gaps, like five years from now, maybe like, in a no different spot than Yearn was, where they had already farmed and given out all the token supply. What about and, and I had to I had to go through that experiment of increasing the Wi-Fi supply. Because who cares if it's a fixed supply and it's uh, trying to be Bitcoin mm-hmm. defense? Like no one cares. I'm like, you need tokens to recruit top talent. Mm-hmm. To, you need tokens for referrals to bring in more liquidity to the vaults. Like Unfortunately, many projects are going to find themselves in a very tough spot. And I would be very, uh, I would be inclined not to own any of these projects because their survival rate over a five year period is increasingly low. But they take the short route, right? Which is let's uh, get traction. Let's make sure that we get attention. Yeah, man. The problem is there's going to be another project that's going to give a larger, like this game never ends well, right? And so I think uh, I was having this discussion with a, a top tier founder that I've known over the years, over uh, in December. And he was asking me, like, what do you think about token distribution? Like, how much you go to the community? He, he was of the mind that, like, you had to give away at least 30% of the community, probably 45 to 50, which is kind of the standard-ish. And I was like, what if you didn't give anything out? Let's just, like, hypothetically let's think about these cases just don't give anything out you funded this startup 
you've taken a lot of risk. It's your money. Like, why can't you own 60% of this project? Why does the team have to own 10% of it? Like most teams don't, most founders don't end up owning enough of their projects. Okay. And I get it. You want to own a, a bigger piece, a smaller piece of a bigger pie, but I'm like, I don't know. I think that is just, uh, doesn't really fully appreciate that the community today is not the community of tomorrow. And it's just, it just, it just obfuscates. It, it's a very um, short-sighted, short-sighted way of thinking about your growth and your potential. I would not give out. And if people want to complain and bitch about the fact that they're not getting 50% of the token supply, I'm like, well, fuck off. Like, what have you done? Oh, you own a pudgy penguin? Oh, cool. Okay, why is it that you need to get 30000 bucks? Forget about the value. It's like, why? And people, I think, are entitled in this space. Just, It just bothers me the wrong way i get it it's like but i think we should seriously reconsider i my theory is a lot of this airdrops has been a a result of dancing around lack of regulation and saying okay we need to like decentralize as quickly as possible yada 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 make people but yeah i don't know i i think it's uh one of those things where hopefully i think we've peaked in the airdrop it will keep going. You, yeah, yeah. It will peak in the percentage of the total token supply that goes out to the community. Yeah, yeah. That, you, that figure is peaked. Yeah, I, I think there are three. Okay, so I think there are three reasons why people do airdrops. Uh, marketing, AK, like user acquisition, regulatory, decentralization theatrics, and need number to go up because that's how we fund things. Because that's, yeah. no, because like, you know, yeah, yeah, we yeah. get more money and stuff. Okay. Do you think any of those are a good reason to do it? No. I mean, okay, like regulate. No. Yeah. It's a tough spot. I, I You have to do something, but I guess I, I'm not totally dismissive on the airdrop strategy. I think, I think it's just the mechanism by which you design an airdrop is most of the time really inefficient, incredibly yeah. expensive. So I will design a program where people need to do more stuff to earn these airdrops, earn them. Like the, or the Uniswap is not a bad one. Like, okay, you've provided a lot of this liquidity and trading. Like Jupiter, not bad, candidly. They're going to do more campaigns, so you're incentivized. You missed out on the first one because you didn't trade before November. Okay, well, now you know. I think those type of programs, I don't want to be dismissive of them i think they work they are good marketing campaigns pretty good ones yeah so yeah but i just think the percentage that goes out may be a little too high okay uh last last topic here is someone filed i forget who it was for staking inside of the eth etf did you see this i've heard talks about it but yeah go ahead does this make you want to what what is the like second order impact of that? Like, do you think about going out and buying Lido because of this, or like, how do you think about just like how? Yeah, yeah. What's your thought on that? And basically, the mechanism is, uh, for instance, not with Bitcoin, but for future ETFs of proof of stake tokens, right? So, like, say hypothetically and most realistically, you're going to have a Bitcoin. Uh, sorry, uh, ETH ETF. The idea is. You can stake what though the the allowing someone like uh, whatever the ETF uh, issuer is to stake those tokens. 
Because at the moment, the my understanding is that they won't necessarily stake, or none of them will, right? My understanding is that most likely none of them will, but they're, they all want to think about it because what this gives you is basically the ability to own an ETF with and have a dividend. Well, on. yeah, not so much. Like, just be diluted, right? Because if you're not staking, you're being diluted. Yeah. Uh, like, if everyone's staking, everyone is basically the same, right? It's just... But if uh, it really is the the inflation in a proof of stake network happens to be where it uh it dilutes out people that are not staking. Um, I well, there's two trains of thought here. One is uh, if you're a more crypto native person, then you really like that, right? Because you, I guess, benefit from you have a a, a very big, increasingly like market participant that is buying part of the supply. And is not staking it. And like at the moment, twenty five percent of all the ETH is being staked across eigenlayer, you know, um, you know, Lido's of the world. So, yeah, like as to- as there's less tokens out there circulating, then it puts like th- it takes less amount of buy pressure to basically number go up. Um, well, I think it would be nice to have ETFs or your your uh, that are able to stake. The question then becomes, as we've had with Lido, is you know, how do you manage the liquidity of the ETF? Yeah, and I think it's something that probably is not going to happen, uh, but probably Coinbase can facilitate this for because they're already like acting as a custodian, right, of a lot of these ETF providers. Yeah, for most of them, and Coinbase has the infrastructure, like they acquired Bison Trails, and you can. You can stake through Coinbase. So, yeah, I, I would just, uh, it probably can be figured out. I think it's going to happen, but I would probably be, yeah. I don't have anything against it. I think it's just not going to happen in any. Yeah. Any, if any it time. does happen, big win. I mean, it's probably like, so I have you been seeing Eigenlayer just sucking up stake ETH? I think yeah, Eigenlayer's I mean, at five billion. Two billion? Five billion. billion. Five billion TVL right now. Um, Lido's yeah. sitting at like 32% of all stake ETH. Um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, if if this happens, you could see Lido bring in like, I think like, I think a billion dollars in fees or five hundred, like some ridiculous amount of fees this year, um, which is just r- tremendous. I actually had dinner last night with this uh, private equity guy, and he was um, he's he re- he's he caught the crypto bug, and he basically was talking about the efficiency of these businesses, and that nobody's woke waking up to the effi- he's like oh. people like SaaS businesses, he's like because of how efficient they are, like. Wait until you, till these like traditional investors who invest in SaaS like wake up to the fact that Uniswap is the most capital efficient business in the world right now. Never MakerDAO yeah, yeah, most capital efficient business. Literally, world. I tweeted about this uh, over the years because I I was before going full time crypto. I was at a fund that we were exclusively investing in enterprise software, and you would look at all this stuff and capital efficiency and magic number and all this stuff. Like, yeah, recurring revenue is a beautiful thing. I'm like, well. The most, uh, the most hot comparison to make is Coinbase and Uniswap. Like, yeah, there was a time where Uniswap started volume started to like match or even surpass what Coinbase was doing in any given day, and you're like, well, one has less than twelve employees or twenty employees, the other one has thousands. The cost to run one versus the other, night and day. And you're right, I think that's um, incredibly powerful, and I think a lot of people yeah. get sort of like distracted by the fact that like they're not distributing the fees to uni holders but i mean that admin contract is accruing 
a whole lot of bees. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah, it's 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 right. Two probably big awakenings. That, the capital efficiency, uh, the kind of like tech asymmetric upside with dividend features, it's probably going to blow people's minds. It's like a REIT, but with like way more asymmetry than real estate. Um, also more volatility. And then the other thing is marketers, right? Your point around Farcaster could become a huge huge mechanism to acquire customers like just get attention yeah. get mind share not to mention i was i was actually like really surprised i want to probably end it with this so so i saw someone and i retweeted about this it's crazy stat listen to this uh okay apparently only one to three percent of reddit users actually post most of wikipedia's content is written by 0. 0.003 of all users like it's just wild and of course like this is interesting because reddit's thinking about doing an ipo at the five billion like i'm not surprised like we all know these power users like games like the one percent of gamers twitter i saw twitter stat twitter is one i think one percent of users post nine percent engage like comment and like and 90 percent never do anything so that like anyways got my brain working um for once and it was like okay then like crypto users are incredibly active the, the current cohort and that's incredibly valuable like if you're i think that's what like lvmh is thinking right like yeah there's like probably a hundred thousand really active crazy people but if you're an nft holder you probably like your ltv is way higher you're like the core demographic the most valuable cohort for any company out there literally any company because, you know, these degens are also spending in the real world. And so, yeah, it really goes to show, like, people talk about, like, true, a thousand true fans or whatever. But, like, in this case, yeah, it sort of, like, made me rethink what mainstream really looks like. Right? Because it's the simple mechanisms, like, oh, we need billions of users. Do we really? I don't know. I think you can. Anyways, I, I've, I'm in the process of rethinking what is mainstream adoption really look like? For crypto mm. um and yeah it's really yeah i don't know like uh, this of course is relevant we should talk about it in another pod but like the saga phone now selling over eighty five thousand. Eighty five thousand is that the number they're at yeah this for That's the crazy. second phone yeah so is it going to displace the app store seems crazy but look like, at, at blockworks who's literally switch not just using the solana phone for like to get airdrops and stuff but using it as like his phone because he just graduated college and he's um sounds like i mean helios right uh like this is the last thing i want to say like of course coinbase put a report yesterday saying like americans would have saved what is it 300 million or so if 200 something million if they had you know for uh coinbase released its state of crypto for q4 and they highlighted some interesting data Page two of the PDF quantifies the advantages of crypto versus traditional financial rails in the term of cost, speed, and convenience. According to the report, Americans could have saved, sorry, 70, I was way off, 74 billion in credit card transaction fees in 2002 alone by using blockchain, equaling to about 600 in savings per household. Now, who knows, right? Because if all Americans started using DeFi, (laughs) good luck with congestion. Maybe with Solana. Uh, nonetheless, yeah, it got me thinking, uh, who's, when are they going to post the report on telco? If most Americans are paying between 20, at least 20, 50, a hundred 
200 bucks on their mobile plans. Well, newsflash, folks, but Helios is pays for itself, at least for now. So, helium. Sorry, helium. Mert's going to kill me. Mert's or not, she's most, yeah, <laughs> most, frust, most frustrating thing to Mert in this world. <laughs> helium versus helium. At least, at least I led with heli- like his, his company. But yeah, yeah no, uh, helium, right? Not helium. Helium, yeah. which is a uh, deep and uh, decentralized infrastructure like mobile. Like, so anyways, it's, it's radically cheaper. So it's going to get really interesting. It's going to be really interesting. Do you think this is the, the question for you? Sorry, this is the last thing. Do you think this is the year where we start to see these big awakenings for from traditional companies, like like where people start really realizing, like, as if assuming we enter this application phase, like Farcaster really takes off, and some applications really take off because we're you know we have the ability to do so better infrastructure. Like, is this going to be the year where you start seeing it in in some of the larger conference gaming conferences, marketing conferences, banking conferences? It's like, oh wow, like there's a real opportunity here for, for real this time. We'll see. We'll see. Most hedged answer on the pod. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see. And you need to come to DAS to, to, to see. What's <laughs> the layout for you, man? Come on. Oh God. I don't get enough credit. For I got stuff. distracted. Candidly. I got a message about some weird thing. I got distracted. I'll admit it. I'll admit it. All right. Well, that's the goodest time as ever. That's our cue to drop that's our this. Cue. Um, I'll see you on twenty in twenty minutes. We doing this call? Oh yeah, I guess yeah. Cool. All right, folks. Well, thanks for much for listening. Uh, we'll be here next week as regular schedule. So I uh, appreciate the patience. Next and, uh, roundup will be in March. Next roundup, and I'll be on Farcaster. Let's go. You gonna go sign up today? Not today. It's too late now, but maybe tomorrow. All right. Sure. This weekend. Sure. All right, yeah. nice, nice. Thanks, folks. Right. See you next week. All right. Cheers, guys. Hey, everyone. Thanks for tuning in to today's episode. Don't forget to claim your free wormhole NFT exclusive to Empire listeners. Hit the link in the description of today's episode and fill out the form to claim your unique wormhole NFT today. Hey everyone, thank you so much for watching today's episode. Really hope you enjoyed it. We wanted to take a second to just remind you about our upcoming Digital Asset Summit in London, March 18th to 20th. Santi and I got your back. Seats are limited. If you heard it earlier in the podcast, there's a little competition running at Blockworks to see who can drive the most number of tickets. So when you register for the Digital Asset Summit, make sure you use our code. See you in London.